0: the Bible now Um, I'm reading from Hebrews chapter 12 starting at verse 28 through to chapter 13 verse 16 therefore let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those who devoted to them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God.
1: Thanks, Phil. Good morning, everyone. Good to be with you. Again, for those who don't know me, my name's Glenn. I'm doing some of the uh, community work, community pastoral work out of Cavell, but I also get to preach a bit as well. So, looking forward to doing that this morning. Uh, I know it's hot, so make sure you've got a fan. Or so. Oh, Don has brought a fan. That's a great idea. Make sure you've got a fan. The prayer clipboards are good to fan with if you if you need that. And. Um, I'll try not to preach with too much fire and brimstone and make it too hot. And with Andrew, yeah, I'm going to move a bit closer. That's good. Um, As I was preparing this sermon, and as as I got uh, back from Uganda, I spent uh, three weeks in January in Uganda, which was uh, a great experience. I'm not going to share about that now, but uh, another time where you can come and speak to me. But uh, coming out of that and back into um, life here... It's um, been a bit of an interesting journey, <laughs> uh, and I think it probably reflected uh, back a little bit of a, a longer journey um, that I've been on, maybe over the last year or so. Um, and I, I, it's probably this idea of how do I get better at being an everyday Christian, um, and so sort of an everyday Christian. I sort of play on that word every day is that sense that it's every day in terms of it just comes natural, I'm just, that's who I am, I'm sort of, um, and that I actually live it out every day. Um, and that I'm not just a Sunday Christian or a life group Christian, or how do I live this out in my every day? And particularly for me, um, moving from being a full-time pastor, uh, where often you're just immersed in Christian stuff. Um, you've got Christian meetings, you're meeting with a lot of Christians uh, often, uh, and that's your job and that's good and it's what you talk about, it's what you read about and it's what you work with and you think about. But uh, particularly over the last year or so, um, working about how do I be sort of an everyday Christian, um, and particularly for me, I've, I've shared that I'm, I'm now working at Bunnings part-time, and how do I be an everyday sort of Christian in that, that workplace? Uh, and in that space, or uh, in my family, or with my neighbours, or in my sporting club, um, where I might not, where I'm not having so many Christian meetings, um, and where I'm finding myself in a place where I'm actually spending more time with non-Christians than I am with Christians. And... Uh, I suppose as a pastor, you often get this sort of um, bit of a reputation that you're somewhat of a sort of a spiritual guru or a spiritual person. Um, Or if you tell people that you're a pastor, I think I've I've shared this before, it either um, sort of, it opens up a conversation or it shuts down a conversation. That's pretty well sort of where where it goes. Um, But if you don't have that sort of, um, role or j- job description to sort of enter in a conversation with. You say, that how do I sort of communicate um, that I'm a Christian uh, when I say that I work at Bunnings or I'm a family man or um, things like that. So I've been sort of wrestling with that um, and wrestling with that uh, tendency that I think we all have uh, at times is to almost sort of separate life, um, sort of everyday life and faith And we come and we do the Sunday thing and then we we do a a life group thing and we do a bit of service thing. Uh, And then sometimes there's a bit of disconnect between those two. Um, And just learning uh, more and more how to bring those two together uh, naturally. Uh, Learning to speak uh, to people who may not be in sort of Christian circles, learning to speak naturally about who I am in Christ. Uh, and what it means for me to be a Christian, um, to give a reason um, why I do what I do, Um and be able to explain what motivates me or what drives me. And so uh, I found that a, a, a bit of a, a, a tricky um, sort of practice, and I think many of us are in that situation uh, about being an, an everyday Christian uh, in or every day. Because I find that the pull of the world and the pull of myself drags me away from that everydayness. Um, and I can get back into the daily grind of family and work and life um, and I can go for days without even thinking about God, without even having an interaction with him. Uh, without even considering why I'm doing what I'm doing, because it's just the daily grind. And so um, how do I um, uh, land myself back into that everydayness with Jesus? Um, last week I did a, a lunch with the Mainly Music guys um, as we started off into the year, and uh, Joe Hood, who's the um, CEO of Mainly Music, uh, she had written a letter uh, to churches uh, that I happened to read, and it was just some of the, w- the way she expressed things sort of started to get to a little bit uh, to my heart. And I was encouraging the mainly music guys with this uh, and speaking to myself in this as well. And she says, A, a key to fruitful, uh, fruitfulness, and they were talking about that in terms of starting another year and getting into ministry. Uh, the key to fruitfulness in ministry is a salty team, and sort of talking that idea that we're the salt of the earth. And then um, she goes on to say, a team of people who live their life and faith seamlessly intertwined. I just like that. A team of people who live their life and faith seamlessly intertwined, who are able to talk about aspects of faith as naturally as talking about life. People who uh, ask wandering questions, who are seeking to discover how people uh, think, people who pray without ceasing that God will be doing his work in and through each of us as his team members. And then at the end of that, um, she reminds uh, us uh, of uh, John 15, where Jesus says, remain in me and I'll remain in you because apart from me you can do nothing. And I think as we go through this, um, uh, this message about uh, everyday sort of faith and life and bringing those together, we come to that place where we realize that it's actually God's work in us. Uh, and uh, hopefully as we understand God's work in us, it's going to help us to actually be able to live and, uh, and practice this out. And so uh, getting back to Australia and listening to uh, a couple of the sermons on uh, Hebrews, They were good reminders for me because I was probably avoiding uh, getting back into the year and and thinking uh, about uh, getting into the year. Um, And I was just um, one of the practices that helped me um, live every day is doing what we're doing today is actually getting together on a Sunday, hearing the Word, Um, and that the the first Sunday I was here, uh, I was actually sitting next to Bill. And uh, after the service, uh, after the message, I was just a bit confronted by it. And I just asked him to pray for me. And he said he'd pray for me. <laughs> and so again, as I said, and I felt the difference that that uh, made for me as I got into the week. I thought one of the, the things that I need to do in practising and living everyday faith is have this regular engagement with God, his people and his word, uh, have people pray for me uh, and uh, seek to practise that out in the faith that God is at work. Um, I, Andrew's message about throwing off hindrances and um, persevering and fixing my eyes on Jesus um, actually fired me up a bit. Um, it actually made me think and reminded me of things um, and almost um, someone mentioned recently and particularly coming through Hebrews there's this sort of rich um, sort of covenant theology that comes out of that and to remind myself that when I come here today it's almost like a covenant renewal sort of ceremony that happens here that I recognize that well, I haven't been like this but I've got a God who uh, welcomes me and is merciful to me and compassionate to me and reminds me again of who he is and who I am because of him so that I can live uh, this way in the coming week and so that's been uh, really encouraging for me uh, and has spoken to me Uh, as I've been preparing this I actually um, read through uh, Hebrews 10 11 12 and 13 um, and got to, I don't know, just hear the voice of God through that again. Um, and as I read through that, just it, it wasn't sort of a, an everyday thing, and it wasn't a whole chunk. It was just bits and pieces over the last two weeks that I've been reading through and even preparing for this this message. Um, just knowing uh, that the argument that the writer to the Hebrews is giving to us, and he's saying that you know, if and for me to think about, if this is true. If what i 've been reading and what we 've heard preached to us is true if, if that is if we, if we 've really got a God who created the universe um, and promised to um have his people live with him forever uh, and that when it that when it went wrong when sin entered the world that he made a way for that to be restored and it was through his son Jesus and that sacrifice has been done once and for all and that gives me a new identity and a new purpose for anyone who would believe that if that is true then how am I living how does that affect the way that I put on my Bunnings apron and go into that workplace. How does that affect the way that I interact with my neighbour? And as I started to dwell on the reality of who I am in Christ and what God has done for me, it actually began to, st- it, st- it stirred me <laughs> to actually move and do things and take action um, during the week. And I found that. Um, a really helpful practice, again, of uh, the everyday thing of asking uh, or reading God's Word and asking how that affects the attitude in everything I do. I've moved, I've moved from this idea, So and trying to do it more and more, this idea of rather than asking the question of all these sermons and these passages about Hebrews, rather than asking the question... How does this help me? I've been asking the question: How does it make me live? Because I, I I I just recognise that at times and in our culture, sometimes we can even make this about us and our lives, and we can become introspective in it rather than um, expressive of it. And so I've been asking that question: If this is true, how does it make me live? And um, as I've been engaging back into the start of this year, um, I've been calling those truth reminders. They're reminders uh, to me of the story of God, the big picture, uh, that I am uh, who I am in Christ, that I am a child of God, that I belong to a family, a faith community uh, that have been reminding me and supporting me and praying uh, for me to be uh, an expressive Christian in the way that I live each day. And uh, as we sort of go back to Hebrews in this chapter, um, I think because I've read chapter thirteen a number of times before, and it's almost—I don't know if you've read chapter thirteen—just even what when Philippa was reading, it's almost this random collection of sort of sayings that that they don't even link to each other in many ways. It's just sort of these random sort of statements of what what's. But I, as I thought about it, and as I, I, I process it, I think uh, what the writer of the, the Hebrews is saying, and, and maybe they just couldn't get to that point of, of finishing the letter. But it's saying, if this is all true, if this is if this is true, what I've just let out before you—that God has saved His people through the sacrifice of Jesus, and that you are now uh, a new people with a new identity and a new—then this is how you live. And it affects everything you do in life. It affects every day of your life. It affects you know, some of the things that he talked about there, marriage, the way you do your money, uh, the way you think about leaders. And so I think this chapter is actually uh, quite helpful for us to think about how do I live uh, everyday faith and life uh, as a Christian? How do I live that out in my everyday life? Um, and he says, and that's why I got just Philip to start actually from verse 28, uh, where it says, uh, "Therefore we are receiving this kingdom which cannot be shaken." Which is he's talking about, you know, all the stuff that I've written in the previous uh, 12 chapters. Um, and I think Andrew mentioned last, week, you know, you see the word "therefore," you ask what it's there for, which is really good. But it also means you can put the word "because." So if all of this, what I've just read. Because of that, this is then now how I'll live. Because of that truth, it's going to affect how I live uh, every day. And um, and I think um, he reminds us too. Um, and I think we uh, Donna did this in the in the songs that we uh, sang at the beginning of the service, um, that are reminding us of, of the picture of the greatness of God of the awesomeness of God, which he does here as well, because he says this God is a consuming fire. He's he's an awesome, powerful, mighty God that we can now come into the presence of. Uh, And it picks it up in a number of the songs that we sang this morning about um, the reverence in that, Um, the desiring to um, give my life to a God who is like that, who should have given me punishment, but now... Uh, has invited me to see him face to face, to be in an intimate relationship with him. And so what he begins to do in those two, as he sums up his letter, he says, because of uh, what God has done, two things I want you to do is one to be thankful and one to worship God. Um, and I thought they're two uh, helpful practices in us uh, living uh, life every day. And I've talked about this numerous times before, about the practice of thankfulness, of getting into the habit of um, being thankful to God for everyday stuff. And I think I've shared to you, I've developed this practice uh, of when I wake up in the morning, the first thing I do is just list off um, as many things as I can think of Um, But as a prayer to God, and just say, thanks God, for lately it's been, thanks God that I can breathe, thanks that I've got legs that I work, thanks that I've got a hot shower, Um, thanks that I've got power, thanks that I've got a car to drive, thanks that, and it straight away starts to get me into, actually life is about God and what he's provided who he is, what he's done, and, and my life is actually held in. I then began. I, I, actually, one of the other things I'm doing lately is just, um, and it came out of the Hebrews thing. Thanks for saving me. Thanks for your salvation. Thanks that you are a merciful God. Thanks that even though I have lived far from you in rebellion to you, that you love me and you welcome me and you walk with me as your as my me as your son today. Thanks that I can talk to you. Thanks that you hear me, that you listen to me, and that you actually respond to the things. And as I do that, it, it actually shapes. And as I start to think about what's going to happen in my day, um, it it brings. Oh, actually, uh, thanks that you are the creator of the God, uh, the creator of the universe. That uh, this morning I had it as the sun was coming up. It was just coming through the Venetian blinds in my bathroom, um, and I just It just caught me, it was beautiful. And I said, thanks God that you orchestrated the angle of the sun and my position on the earth that I could just experience that beauty. And so, and then it's sort of starting to go into what the second thing is, what he says there, is thankfulness is actually starting to turn into worship and to acknowledge a God and saying, you are the one <laughs> that made it possible. And so I was telling God, you are good. That sort of worship, uh, I think I've expressed it before, it's telling God telling yourself and telling others uh, about the things that he's done. But I think then where he goes into chapter 13, what um, true everyday worship looks like is living the way God has asked us to live. And so it's actually true worship and everyday worship is obedience. And so if this is the God who has orchestrated everything, given me new life, given me... If this is true... Then, how should I live? How does it affect the way I go to work? How does it affect the way I wake my wife, or I have breakfast with my children, or uh, I drive my car, or I spend my money? And so, um, those two things a practice of thankfulness and then the practice of obedience. (laughs) They're pretty simple. There's no rocket science in what I'm saying here. It's just, just a reminder to what does obedience look like for you and is that driven um, by an understanding of who God is and who I am because of him? Every day um, I'm asking myself to trust and obey to do the things that God has said. And even just, going, just recently, just going back over the Ten Commandments and saying, am I practicing that? I found myself lying a lot <laughs> oh, this is a bad confession um, and doing this at at Bunnings and I was actually lying to the customers and actually trying to pretend I knew more about that product than I did um, and preparing this sermon there was a bit of a conviction about it I'm thinking well actually if I would really want to w- worship God I actually need to be um honest and truthful. And as we go through this, you'll actually realise that if it's true who God is and who I am because of him, there's actually a freedom to admit that I don't know. and There's actually a freedom to say, oh actually I'm not quite sure. (laughs) Or there's actually, I made a bit of a mistake um, and there was actually, do I hide the mistake? (laughs) Or if this is true, it actually and actually enables me to freely go to my boss and say, I did this. And I don't have to be scared or fearful of that. We're going to sort of unpack because of the truth of what we've been hearing this year already. And it affects, uh, my life then becomes um, a life of um, worship makes a difference. I had someone at work the other day come to me and said, are you a Christian? Um, And I said, yes. And she said, I could tell. And and this is not... uh, Sorry, it sounds like I'm big noting myself and I apologise. I'm not really. But I'm saying that's the way it should work. I think that's what it's saying. People should notice the way I speak and act that there is. People should notice that there is a God who made the universe and that he has given us a way to live on it. And as we do that, uh, God is glorified and he's honored. And so I've been asking myself in the question in my everyday life, in my family, um, in my workplace with the people I go and shop at, or do they notice um, a life of thankfulness and obedience? Does it make a difference uh, for them? And anyway, so let's go through quickly through Hebrews 13. And let's have a look about the everydayness of what obedience and worship looks like. And so he begins off uh, chapter 13 by saying, I want you to love each other as family, like love each other as brothers and sisters, Uh, love each other as you would love your spouse, Um, is... Uh, And and this letter, remember, is written to uh, a collective, is written to a church body. Are you loving each other this way? And so obedience looks like loving each other um, unconditionally. And um, what I thought about that is, um, do you love each other like true brothers and sisters love each other? Because sometimes I think we paint this picture of Christian love is that we're all smile and happy with each other all the time. Which is not true. We actually annoy each other and we hurt each other and we sin against each other. Do I actually love my brothers and sisters enough and am I confident in who God is and who I am, uh, confident enough to actually confess that, to actually deal with it, to actually um, reconcile and move on in that? I was thinking of what everyday family looks like, not what Sunday love looks like. Because it can often be sort of, you know, people talk about you come to church and everyone's smiling and happy and friendly. Um, But then you go into Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday and it's a very different picture. Um, How is the way I live every day a reflection of the love that Christ has shown for me? And being a community of love, living holy lives together, because remember what Jesus says, because that will show people who I am, the way you love one another. and Demonstrate that. Uh, And then he goes on, uh, the next one is entertain strangers, and he has this little thing about angels. He's probably there referring back to Abraham um, and sort of reminding him, imagine if Abraham didn't ask those people in and he missed the fact that he had uh, angels come and... Reveal whatever happened after that, um, but i don 't want to often we get fixated on that. I want to actually just think about uh, entertain strangers that 's an act of worship and obedience. Uh, how do I practice that? What does that look like in my life um, and and hospitality the idea of hospitality, um, particularly in sort of Jewish sort of writings, is not so much with family and friends and those that you know well. It's more for those who are poor, those who are different to you, those who you don't know, those who you would probably consider enemies. And I started to think, what does obedience look like in my life for that? How am I inviting? Uh, And so I'm asking myself that question, but then I'm reminding myself of the truth of what the Hebrew writers have said is that now you are a new creation, you're a dwelling place of the Holy Spirit, so you actually have the power to be able to entertain strangers where you might not think you would. It actually gives me the power to take risk and invite people into my home that I wouldn't normally. It actually... um, I I found it interesting. Um, I found that in Bunnings... um, Odd people are avoided. And I found it's exactly the same in the church. And I thought to myself, if, I'm, if I am who I am in Christ, I don't have to fear odd people or people that I don't normally connect with or people who are different to me. Or and I think, actually, this truth is going to affect the way that I every day interact with people in my workplace, interacting with people in my family, interact with people in my church. And I'm motivated because Jesus did that to me. I'm the least of people that Jesus would want to hang out with. I'm really odd and peculiar, and I have things in my life that Jesus would run miles from. And yet he comes to me and he spends time with me and he hangs out with me. Who was Jesus known for hanging out with? And, he, and, and why could he do that? Because all the others were saying, you can't hang out with them because you'll be contaminated and you'll be affected and you won't. You've got to keep clean. And what? No, because Jesus knew the truth of who he was and who God was and how he could actually be uh, an influence in that place. And so the reminder of the truth of who I am in Christ enables me to interact with people every day differently. Uh, He then goes on, remember those uh, in prison, those who are being mistreated. Uh, And again, I just reminded, uh, when was the last time I prayed for the persecuted church? I heard this uh, last week, where was it? It was it Indian Philippines Uh, church was bombed. 15 people were killed as they were worshipping God. I thought, did I even pray for that church? Did I just register it? Did I just flick it past on my newsfeed? And he says, uh, you've got to remember these people as if you were sitting in that church, as if they were your brothers and sisters. And I think, how does that look like for me? Every, it probably reminds me of to pray uh, and to pray earnestly for those who are suffering. Uh, the next one, then he goes on, is uh, honour your marriage. You see, they're all sort of, in, and I just thought to myself, if this is true, if God is who, who He is, uh, He loved me by sending Jesus, and Jesus reminded me that I need to love my wife the way He loved me, how does that affect the way I interact with her every day? And probably where the biggest thing that the Spirit has worked in me in that is the ability to be able to give, uh, to ask for, and receive forgiveness. You know, um, it's probably made me think about how do I unconditionally express love to my spouse. It made me think, um, too, um, in this bit, how does the biblical sort of sex ethic um, work out in my life? And so obedience and worship looks like uh, one man, one woman for life. It looks like not having sex before marriage. It looks like, and so I try, and and, and I'm free to do that, because of the truth of who God is. I am free to actually express that because of who I am in Christ. And that's going to be harder and harder in today's society. But I actually have a freedom to be able to do that because of the truth um, that we are being told here. The next one, keep yourself from the uh, love of money. Uh, <laughs> this one's a tough one. Um, and it's tough for us because Greedy people often don't know that we're greedy. It's one of those sins that probably the most... You know, sex sins are really obvious and so they're usually held by the church as much more damaging and we've got to do a whole lot about sex ethic stuff. But greed and pride... so it just made me think about it. So I actually went online. There's these, these things going around. I don't know if you've seen it. You can put in um, your income and your sort of bit of your family picture and it tells you where you sit in the world in terms of the richest people in the world. Um, so I'm going to encourage you. To, I did find out, what's it called? Um, giving what we can or something like that. You can just Google where do I sit in the riches, and just do it. <laughs> so there's a couple of them around. I came up about... Uh, in the top 8% of the richest people in the world. So 92% of people. And and so what does that remind me of again? It reminds me of the generosity of God, that he has allowed me to live in a country and a place and get an education, have a job that um, enables me to be in that situation. It reminds me then (laughs) that a way of uh, honouring and saying thanks for that of worshipping a God that's allowed that to happen to me, is to be generous and to give a lot and to think about those that have less and take an action to do it and to realise that my security is not in that. My identity is not in how much I earn or what my wealth is. And it reminded me again to be... um, To be an everyday Christian, I need to think about, how does my generosity expressed? When was the last time that I showed the generosity that God has given me? To people who do not deserve it, just as I didn't deserve it. Uh, And then he goes on from there and he says, because I can be content, because God says he's with you, Uh, he reminds us then, um, that I can say with confidence that God is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can people do to me? And this is the one uh, of the everyday helps that has been um, influential for me over the last year or so. It's, uh, I've shared it with a, a number of people here. Uh, it comes from Steve Timmis, and he calls it the four Gs. Uh, and I'm just going to go through them now because I found that the recalling these and reminding these has actually changed the way I live every day and so i write them and i remind myself i have them as prompts um, i reflect on them and the first one is god is great so the truth of what hebrews has been telling me what the bible is god is great and then it's the phrase behind it that, oh, that's really been helpful so i don't need to be in control if god is truly who he says he is then he controls everything i can actually have the freedom to give up control And it actually gives me freedom to operate in my everyday life because I know that God's... And yeah, I'm still trying to work out with wisdom and make the right decisions and stuff like that, but it gives me a whole new sense of freedom. Uh, God is good, so I don't need anything else. My contentment and my satisfaction is in God and who he is. All the other stuff is trimmings and blessings and stuff that point me to God but actually that's not the stuff that satisfies. That's not actually what uh, gives me contentment. It's because of who God is and that he is good. God is glorious is the next one. Uh, And we picked up that in some of the songs that we sang. If this is who God is, that he's, you know, so awesome, so mighty, that the 24 elders, they just come near God and they're bowing down before him. The angels can't even look at... If this is who God is, he is so glorious and so powerful and so mighty, and yet I can call him Father, I can look him in the eye and look him face to face, then I don't need to be scared of others. And I actually don't need to be scared of Satan. If God is glory, if this is true, if it's true that that's who he is and, the Hebrews, and and who I am now because of him, then what do I care what my boss at Bunnings thinks of me? Why, why do I put my boss at Bunnings and make them more important than what God thinks of me? Because I get fear, fearful of them and I start to, do you, do you see what I do? I start to live my life for them. Because I start to lie, I deceive, and because I I fear them more than the truth. So if God is glorious, and, and Satan as well, if God is truly that way, then I actually can have the confidence to engage in spiritual warfare and spiritual battle in the everyday God is gracious, this is one of my favourite of them, or the favourite of them. If God is gracious, so he's done all of what he's done in Hebrews, he's come to us while we've been sinners, he's set us free, he's given us life eternal, he's given us... If he's so gracious, then I actually don't need to prove myself. Because I think that's what often we do, is that we then start to get do all this activity stuff, which is about making God, or you know, proving myself to God, or proving myself to others. If God is so gracious, then I am free to confess. I'm free to restore. I'm free to admit uh, admit fault. I'm free uh, to engage in a life that has joy and contentment. Uh, I won't go through all the other stuff, um, but there's one of the ones that I want to pick up on is, um, he picks up on it twice, is remember your leaders. And it's really... Um, struck me going into this year remember and this is (laughs) remember your leaders and he says it there uh it it might have been just after the bit we read Uh, submit to them obey them and make their work a joy i was talking to roxanne a bit before the service and we're just talking about how our culture australian culture is just so anti-authority so anti-leaders and i was talking about bunnings again um and just how so many people in my workplace whinge about um, management and how bad management are and the decisions management are making and that's this and this and that person and this. But it's just like... And it's not a whole lot different in the church sometimes. I've done it. I think we do it. And it just made me think, what am, how, am I, how am I going to make Andrews or Joel or John... How am I going to make their work this year a joy... Because I actually have the freedom to do it. God's told me I have the freedom to be able to make their work a joy by actually trusting them, obeying them, submitting them, doing what they ask of us as a church. And I don't have to... I don't have to... Because this is who we are in Christ. Okay, go on. He then finally finishes off by um, verses 15 and 16 just sort of sums it all up and says through jesus because this is who we are now through jesus i want you to offer a a sacrifice of praise and the sacrifice of praise that i want you to give are words which are the fruit of your lips that confess his name so this is what i want you you if this is all true uh this is how we can live we can live in the confidence of speaking about jesus This is sort of my journey. How do I get to speak about Jesus in Bunnings or with my neighbours? And i actually now learning that I actually have the freedom to do that. And I know that it's awkward and I know that I actually stuff it up and sometimes I'm over-enthusiastic and I make it more about Glenn than the person that I'm speaking to. But if this is true, I actually have the freedom to express why I do what I do. That Jesus is who He said He was, and I have a new identity in Him. So words, and so learning to do that in the everyday, um, and learning everyday language that expresses that, I think, is a great way to do that. Around meals, I find that a great way. If this is God's provided this meal for us, isn't God great? Actually, God provided more than that. <laughs> he provided Jesus for us, so that we can be right here. And it sounds a bit corny, but learning to speak like that in the everyday. And then uh, the other offering of sacrifice, he says, don't forget to do good and share with others, which is actions. I want you to obey. I want you to do uh, what I've shown you to do. And he says, for such sacrifices, God is pleased. Um, So, just wrapping up with two things about sacrifices. Sacrifices, when you, um, and it's been prominent in Hebrews, sacrifices in religion do two things. When you offer a sacrifice, you're doing. One of two things usually. Um, sometimes you're offering a sacrifice as I'm going to use a big word, propitiation. <laughs> that means you, you're offering. You know, you think about how it it's to pay for something, and so it's not just Christians that, or you know, it's all religions do this. They offer a sacrifice that sort of keeps the god happy. That's what the, the Jews used to do. They used to offer a sacrifice to make amends for, to pay the price for. The rite of Hebrews reminds us we don't have to do that anymore, <laughs> that Jesus has done that. So you're offering your sacrifices, so these sacrifices of words and actions, are not to keep God happy anymore, Are not to get you into heaven. They're not to satisfy the law anymore. The other, th- the other reason people offer sacrifices is to say thanks. It's worship. Um, one of my neighbours just came back from a trip to where they live, and they brought um, an idol back for, a, for their god from their town and it sits in their um, living room um, and they were showing me last week and in front of the idol um, were little flowers and fruit and incense and stuff like that. And I said, why are they doing that? I think they're doing two things. I think they're probably doing it because they think they've got to do something to keep the God happy, and some of it's being thankful as well. For Christians, we only have the sacrifice of praise and thanks now, because Jesus, the writer of Hebrews has been telling them, that's all been done. You're right with God. You're good with God now. You can enter and face the consuming fire now, so now live a life of thanks Every day, live a life of obedience and worship to this God. And then he finishes off in 18 and 19 by saying this, uh, oh, first, yeah, he says, "Pray for us." And he says, "Pray that we may live with a clear conscience and conscience and live honorably in every way." So he's basically saying, "Pray that we can live this out every day." So what's he saying? I can't do it myself. We can't do it ourselves. We cannot do this ourselves, and so we've got to pray. We've got to ask God to do this in and through this, through us. And then uh, in verse twenty, uh, oh, sorry, the verse, uh, yeah, verse twenty it says, "May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal co- covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great Shepherd and the sheep, equip you with every good for doing His will." So you've got a God who's going to enable you to do this. And as we've read in other places, it's primarily the work of the Holy Spirit in us, of Jesus living out his life through us in the everyday. And so keep asking uh, God for his spirit to work in us every day. How do I? I one of the, the biggest prayers that I've been praying is, uh, God, change my heart, transform my heart so that I can be more like you. Help me to worship you. Help me to honor you. Help me to speak with confidence in you. One of the other prayers that I've been praying lots is, God, help me to know your presence. Help me to know your power. Help me to know your peace, that I may display your glory in my everyday life. Because I can't do it myself. And so I keep crying out to him, God, help my words to confess your name. Help my actions to display your goodness. May my faith and life be entwined together in my every day. May I have a new confidence and a new consistency to live out what I believe. Because if this is true, I need to. Con- then it changes everything. I want to go back to Hebrews 10. Well, I don't know where Joel started this, but I think it was in Hebrews 10. And he says this in Hebrews 10. He says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, people of God, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way through uh, opened up for us through the curtain, that is, his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, full of assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure hawk, water let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess for he who is promised is faithful and so let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching church let's live out what we believe and spur one another on in confidence of who we are in him. Let's pray. Lord and God, we thank you for the message of Hebrews. We thank you for the reminder of the truth that you uh, so loved us, that you sent your son into the world to save us from sin and death and Satan, that you have given us um, eternal life, that you are a loving, gracious God that has promised that anyone who would believe in you would not die but have life forevermore. And as we think about uh, your return, Jesus, will you inspire us to live lives that bring glory to you? We thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for your church. We thank you that uh, these have been given by you to help us to live every day for your glory. And so may we be a church, may we be a people, may we be individuals, may we be a family, Uh, that confess with our lips uh, who you are, that we show with our actions a demonstration of your love. May your presence, power and peace be displayed through us as your people. In the name of Jesus, amen.